this fantasy people are having their head about what a strong woman is. It's like, hmm, I think you could be strong enough to be vulnerable. I think strong strength for me is someone being strong enough to be vulnerable, strong enough to be sensitive to one of that strength to me. It's easy to put a front on. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind-the-scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of our expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counselor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for sharing the podcast. I always appreciate your feedback and your comments and your questions. So today I have a special guest on the show. Shamir Fork is the owner of Dr. Locks and the Natural Hair Studio based in Atlanta. She originally became known as a natural hair lady for her skills as a natural hairstylist and loctician in the Atlanta area. Shamir started making the Dr. Locks formula in a natural hair studio back in 2013. Her goal was to create a product to fix one of the most common problems with natural hair products, which is build up in the locks. Thus, Dr. Locks was born. The Dr. Locks line offers solutions for the lock and dreadlock community and gives everyone the chance to experience beautiful and healthy natural locks for life. Shamir sees her whole life as her passion. She's a lover of experiences, especially when it comes to the service of other businesses. Her mission in life is to show people that they can and that it's possible. A fun fact, she never wanted to do hair for a living. Her goal was to work in an ad agency. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So hello, Shamir. I'm so excited to have you on the Authentic Wednesday podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm excited to be here. Well, speaking with you. <laughs> Shamir <laughs> is like um a gem. <laughs> she is um gosh, I can't think. Maybe it's about three years since I'm known her. But she originally started off with my stylist. So let me tell you something, ladies. I'm just gonna talk to ladies real quick. So you know when your stylist leaves and then you have to find a new one? That's not a good experience. You like, you know, when you found one. Anyway, so mine left and I found one, but I was determined to find someone close to where I live and I found Shamir. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she originally started off with my, as being my stylist and now she's my friend. We enjoy our conversations, our walks and things like that, but she's just amazing and I'm just so glad you're here. <laughs> Yeah, my reflection. So. <laughs> <laughs> so first question and my favorite question, what does authenticity mean to you? Authenticity means being vulnerable to me, allowing myself to be vulnerable and being my true self. I don't know how many other questions related to this we'll be talking about, but that's a very interesting and um, important question to me. That word means a lot to me over the past maybe recent years, I realized and I haven't been as authentic as I needed to be. But yeah, being vulnerable and it's just, it's freeing. But I feel like sometimes we think it's really hard. I feel like a lot of people aren't being their authentic self. So everyone else puts the face on. So everyone's having the face, you know. But as I've taken my mask down and being and peeling things off, I'm finding I'm attracting people like that. So to me, it means being vulnerable. Vulnerable and being in vulnerability means um, giving to the core of myself and letting that show, you know, so. Gosh, you said so many juicy stuff. So <laughs> first thing, you said you wasn't always authentic. Tell me what it, what it was like not being authentic. Well, I could tell you about it now that I'm realizing what was going on because I never knew I wasn't. It was trying to be what someone else needed me to be at all times. like hundreds of clients I have. I think I got my practice there, being what my parents needed me to be, being what my friends needed me to be, 
and it was exhausting just and then not knowing I think I, I finally had my breakthrough when I had a breakup and I started going to therapy and and just finding how being around friends that saw and just with my real friends that could see that something I had a couple of faces and they saw through that and just pulling it out um, and realizing that it's okay that I could be like people can appreciate it, it was just interesting so it was it was like just growing up with my parents um no one was that emotional I was like the only emotional person growing up and um my parents are awesome I had an awesome upbringing um but it was just more so be tough like I was the, the one the, the child that was crying about everything and I mean even if it wasn't sad I was just crying just explaining myself and my parents didn't understand that. So they would see it as a weakness. So I was taught that me being emotional was a weakness. And that's what I heard all my relationships. Stop putting your emotions on, on your on your shoulders. You're holding them like, and, and I was like, what am I doing? So I tried to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And I don't think I was being tough. To me, it felt like that by sounding like I had a hard edge you know my pa- my family is from up north so sounding as from as up north as possible but I think looking back I feel like I was confusing a lot of people because I think they felt my my sensitivity and they probably needed that about me um my new thing now is that oh, the world needs a me the world needs a you the world needs a whatever you are and so back then I feel like I could have had better relationships had I um, just been more vulnerable, but back then it was I didn't I didn't know I wasn't being vulnerable. I was you know being myself. So I I, I heard that a lot back then, and I don't I never really understood it until my breakthrough was when I was sitting on my couch and I had gone through a breakup and I had started therapy and um, I was trying to act like I was okay, and my friends. Denisha told me, Shamir, and I, I started like talking about something and then I was like quivering up and she was like, Shamir, it's okay to cry. And it was like, wow, like she's giving me permission. Like I felt like, wow, I could, I could cry. And I felt, and then I just decided, okay, I have to cry right now. And then I cried and it was okay. And then I can come out of it. And she said, Shamir, as long as you know you're down and you have this, you decide when it's okay to get up. And I was like, wow, like there's a down and an up. Like to me, it was like, you're up, you're good, mm-hmm. you're, you're entertained, you know, you're, you're I'm on. Like Shamir, the hairstylist, Shamir, the charismatic one, Shamir, the person, the Shamir. And when she told me, she felt me, she's like, Shamir, it's okay if we need to cry. And I was like, wow. And I had permission to cry. I gave myself, so after that, I continuously gave myself, if I ever felt like I needed to cry, I heard her voice. Still to this day, I can hear her voice and say, it's okay. And I just will cry. And then until I can't cry no more. And then I got, and I knew, okay, you're down. Then now you got to pick yourself up. And then I got up. So like, it was like, wow, I can, I can be these different things. You know, and it felt, it was cleansing. It was very cleansing instead of holding it in and, you know, and yeah. So it, that was amazing. And still to this day, I still hear, hear a voice and, and this, and I'm discovering this is something that normal people do. <laughs> you know, you can, you can like, wow, like you could cry because my parents and I love them and I forgive them because they did their best. Um, you know, like, why are you crying? We talk about these things now. It's so beautiful and healthy where they didn't understand that their generation, they were like, you put food on the table. That was how I show you love. And, you know, they didn't understand this crying thing because my mom, she don't remember how many times she ever heard her mom tell her, I love you or hug, you know, that's the way they, and then my parent, my dad, you know, they, they were probably somewhat a little bit more emotional, but it wasn't a whole bunch of as many kisses and hugs and I love you. I give my children. It was completely different. So 
I, I mean, wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so beautiful. It's amazing how powerful what what happens and how powerful is when someone gives us self gives us permission or mm-hmm. we give ourselves permission. And your breakthrough was you have permission to cry. Mm-hmm. You have permission to, you know, I talk about this, you know, I have the course, permission to be you and thrive. You had mm-hmm. permission to be you and you were that emotional person, the sensitive person. That was who you are. And I think as well as giving yourself permission to to cry, it sounds like it was like, it's okay to be you, Shamir. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you had to be all these other things to other people. Right. Right. It's, I feel so good. I'm so happy. It's, just, it's, so, <laughs> it's so interesting because it's so easy. And even I caught myself with my children. I have a, 11, a 10 and 11 year old, two girls. And my, cause back then I remember you needed a reason to cry or it, everything needs to make sense. And yeah, it had to make sense. So I caught myself healing is through your kids too. So like my daughter, she's going through hormonal stuff and she comes home and she's like, mommy, I need to talk. And, and she's like, I just, I'm just sad. She didn't even know what to say, but she just needed to cry. And I, let's stop from there. So let's back up a year ago, um, maybe even two years ago. Um, my daughter and my my friends sit on the couch and my children are in the room, in the living room, and um, a movie comes on. My daughter watched this movie plenty of times. It was Gabby Douglas' movie, and she loves to do um, gymnastics. And so she hadn't taken a class in a while. So she comes to me, the movie's over, and she just starts to cry on my lap. And me, I'm like, this is, I'm going to like my father's mode, which is, why are you crying? I don't understand. I can't be vulnerable to you until I understand why you're doing this. And so my friend is like, come in, Imani. And she hugs her. And it made me feel bad as a mom. I'm like, I want to do that too, but I need to understand why she's doing this. And then she's telling me, and it doesn't make sense. I can't be open to doing that because what you're doing doesn't make, still doesn't make sense to me. And so me and her talked, me and my friend talked. She's like, Tamir, you know, whatever she said, it made sense to me. And it made me actually made me think about myself more and if I'm turning into my parents. And so fast forward, it happens and my daughter's now coming home from school and she's hugging me and she's crying. And I just gave her the biggest hug. In my mind, I said, it did not make, it didn't make sense. No, never mind why she needs to cry. My baby needs to cry. And I just let her cry. And I just felt like I was like breaking some type of cycle to just let her be, you know? And then essentially letting her be her authentic self later on when she needs to cry. Like, it's okay, always, continuously. And I'm telling everyone, her dad, her bonus mom, like, let this child cry. Like, she needs to, it does not need to make them, need to make sense. And so she doesn't have to chop up herself, meaning like, okay, you know, mommy needs this person. And then it's just like I had, you know, okay, daddy needs this person. And did it. No, like whoever really loves you is going to accept you and all the levels of you, you know? So that was another breakthrough for me. Wow. So yeah, it's, I think you shared or posted something the other day recently about, you know, whatever, you know, we're doing, we're breaking cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whether you, whether you, and I just want to share that's for people who have kids and don't, or don't have kids. Either way, you're still breaking this cycle when you are being you, taking care of yourself, doing more self care, doing some form of therapy or spiritual work or emotional work, emotional healing, whatever way you choose to do that, you are breaking generational cycles especially in regards to allowing us to be ourselves yes yeah I, 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 <laughs> talk to women, I talk to women about that all the time day in day out you're you've been in the shop and we talked about this and it's so that's a beautiful thing I see women a lot of hurt women and it all stems from their mom a lot of times 
and who they are, who they present themselves to me. I And then we dig deep later on, appointments down the line, and I find out that it's something maybe they didn't get from their mom or, you know, a lot of times I feel like women are, tra- this is what I, I posted about, we're traveling this road that hasn't been traveled down before, you know, not all women, but a lot of women, you know, and it's because they're trying to break a cycle. Their mom might not have the, like, for instance, my mom thanked me. My parents thanked me, like the normal way. And um, and then when I had kids, I decided not to thank them. Like, it didn't make sense to me. I, like, I think I pinched her, one of my daughters, when I first, that was my first time ever doing that, she pinched me back. I was like, oh, this is not going to work. So I realized, you know, <laughs> that's not going to work. Why am I going to tell you not to do something that I'm doing to you? So, um, but like, but yeah, a lot of women, they're like, a lot of us are not hitting our kids anymore. So our moms and our parents are looking at us like, what, you, what are you doing? You know? Um, and like my mom taught me to pick up and leave you know, situation, go, you know, so I'm not doing that. I'm trying to develop and nourish my relationships. And just in general, like I'm a business owner. My mom was a homemaker. You know, a lot of women back in the day stayed at home, took care of their kids and, you know, had dinner ready for their husbands. I'm a single mom, an entrepreneur of two kids and two, two, two businesses and I have a housekeeper. My mom was like, what in the hell are you doing? And I'm like, mommy, I, you know, I, you taught me, this was a thing with her. And I, I said, mom, you taught me how to have a clean home. So I want a clean home, but I don't have the time like you did. So she was like, oh, and we realized that we're totally two different women. So a lot of, you know, the curses, like the toxicity, um, you know, and, and I made sure in the post that I gave, you know, reverence to our, our elders, not that they did a horrible job and we're like coming out of this thing. We all are doing the best that we can with what's given to us, with the mindset that we have, you know? Exactly. So. Exactly. I talk about that often um, when I have the clients, like it's not that your parents are bad. It's not that they mm-hmm. didn't love you and things like that. They literally did what they could mm-hmm. at that time. Um, exactly. And it was, you know, we always have to think about intention. So mm-hmm. you mentioned, of course, you know, being a business owner, being, you don't, you say, you don't say single mom, you say, how do you I'm refer not, to yourself? I, you know, and I just recently might have been saying that, but no, I'm a single mom. I'm a mom of two that has to be single you know I'm a single woman I'm a single woman Mm -hmm. but I don't look at it as like I'm someone because I have like I literally have to beg for my kids um I am blessed with the village and um I'm I'm co-parenting I'm actually writing a book on co-parenting um discuss laws that I've abided by that helps me as a woman work through and work with um their dad and bonus mom and um but I'm a, I'm just having to be a single I'm a single woman and I'm doing my thing I don't feel like I'm like you know I don't feel like I'm missing out because like there's a lot of things I think other people go through that I don't experience I don't feel like we're all at the parent teacher conferences we're all at the graduations we're all at the plays and stuff like that but yeah Okay. So with being a mom, I know we've had, um, man, I love your like work ethic. And I wonder if you've ever considered if how you were raised helped with your work ethic and your entrepreneurial spirit to keep going. Cause I know you had to build your businesses from the ground up. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. And it's probably not the way you think it is. I think my mom told me she always knew I was going to work for myself. She thought, and looking back at the little things I used to do, um, I, one, I will take credit in just me being who I am because my parent, my brother and my sister had the same parents and all three of us did our own thing. My brother's a musician. He's, you know, my, my sister, she's a, uh, she works in a bank system and I'm the one that works on my own. So we all, was brought up on the same household 
Um, but I just, my parents, as far as, I always, I was the one that got a job. Like the second I could get a job, I got a job. Um, I never wanted, I think the way my parents were, they didn't, I didn't feel compelled. Like I didn't want to ask them for money. I think me being a sensitive child, I was in in tune with what they were feeling, what they were going through, and they were struggling a lot. We were like middle class family. We weren't like poor, but um, it started out with me wanting to buy hair to buy hair to braid my hair. So I didn't want to ask them for money. So as soon as I could, I babysat it, and I bought the hair that I needed to buy to do my hair. Um, I just saw them and I saw how they were struggling. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bother them. I'm going to do so. That is the way. And so then later on, my parents, you know, my parents were some, you know, they partied a lot and stuff and they did their thing. And they're, they're not as well off as some other parents are. And so some people may go to their parents and say, hey, mom, I have a business idea. Can I borrow $50,000? I cannot do that with my parents. And so with me, what made me develop my businesses, a couple of things. One, I just don't, I like to, you know, a couple of things, it's layers to this. I watched my parents not like their job for years. And even when I got spankings, me being a smart child, I knew they were whipping me because they didn't like their lives. You know, they might not agree with it, but I felt like if they're much happier in their lives, I probably have not have gotten such a stricter, you know, this, I having would probably have not been, they probably would not been that strict because they wanted me to be better, you know? But it was like, I can see that you're pretty frustrated with what happened because you and mommy just talked about it and now you're fussing at me because I was drawing in class. And so... It was like, in my mind, in the back of that station wagon, as a little eight-year-old, I was like, I'm going to, I always saw, like, like I, in my mind, I would see this white woman at a pump, a gas station, just smiling, happy. And I'm like, why are they, it's other people, they're smiling so happy. And I'm like, what are they doing? I was always wondering, like, what do people that are happy do? What makes them happy? What? You know, and so when I moved to Atlanta after graduating from college, I hit rock bottom because it was like everyone told me go to school, I'm to college, and then you'll get this job, and then you'll be able to smile at the lady at the gas station, and that <laughs> that didn't happen because they didn't they didn't give me the job, and so here I am working at the nine to five that I hated because people there hate their job. So here I am, got this degree. Now I'm in a, in a job that I didn't um, intend on getting because I, I was wanting to work in an ad agency. I'm working at a corporate office. And the people are miserable here, and they're making me feel miserable. I was like, oh, no, no, no. So I decided something had to happen. Like, it's, it's a, I don't know if you want me to tell the whole story, but, like, I decided – to start my own business. I just decided, okay, this is how much money I need to make in order to enjoy my life. So that's my goal. I need to make that amount of money to in order to get my nails done the way I want to, to be able to take vacation the way I want to. And I, it was, it's a whole story up, up to that point, but that, that's where I, and then like to this day, like I can't, I don't have anyone to depend on. Like my parents are there emotionally for me, they're so emotionally supportive and so like my cheerleaders, you know, but financially I'm by myself, you know, and I just, I wanted to be, I had children starting at 27. And at that time, a lot of my peers were still getting their second degree and third degree and, you know, invested into their career. And I didn't intend on that happening, but it happened. I was like, all right, so let's make some lemonade, you know? So I was like, all right, let's, they're going to be with me and I'm going to make this thing happen, you know? So I was determined to be successful because I was, I didn't come from a, a, a one parent household. I came from two parents. So I didn't know how to become a single mom and all that I saw, the struggles that people go through. I was like, nope. And I'm heavily, heavily into the law of attraction. So I was like, I saw where I wanted to be this successful woman 
with biz- with a business or two and my me and my kids smiling and we're enjoying life and we're going on as if nothing ever happened, you know, so. So would you say you're where, where you are now is what you imagined? Yes, yes. It makes me realize that I, I have so many superpowers and I can, there's so many other things I want to do now. So it's like, wow, like it's literally, I always refer myself and me and my kids refer ourselves as care bears. So it's like, you know, I have these powers that come up my belly and I'm like, okay, let's beam them out. You know, it's, yeah, I'm exactly like, it's, it's creepy. And now I'm like, well, maybe I should put a husband in it and then like, you know, make this thing happen <laughs> and think about that. I never thought about that part. I just knew me and my kids. So <laughs> Cool. That's so funny. You do this thing though as well. I don't know if you want to share about um, when you drive down the street? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I love <laughs> I, I share anything. So I, um, I, I, the law of attraction is happening regardless if you understand it, or believe, believe it or whatever. It's always happening. It's just like the law of gravity. And so I was probably around, I would, like, it was my new um, single momness, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, all right, so... I wanted, okay, so there's a couple things I did it for, but um, I go, this is what I do like quarterly. I'll get on the highway and I will roll down my window and I will scream and yell affirmations in present tense. The reason why I yell it is because I like to feel the shiver. Like I want to just, it's like shaking my body up. And, you know, most times you yell in the middle of the street or in your house, people don't look at you, you know. So in my theory, is that if you really are sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're going to do whatever it takes. And so at some point years ago, I had this car that I really, really did not, not like. And so I used to rent zip cars and I would get in a nice zip car that I really, really liked. And I would, I would use that car just so I can smell the way of a, a new car smell. And I would do that. And I wanted a white cam, um, a white um, Lexus. And I would do that. I would just grip the steering wheel. I would, I would close my eyes when it's safe to close my eyes on the highway. And then I would just scream it out. You know, I was screaming out loud. And then like, couple weeks later I ended up getting into not while I was closing my eyes I ended up getting into an accident car accident with the car I didn't like and it was totaled I was safe um but I as because I'm crazy I was like wow I didn't I did not intentionally do this this happened but I got a white Camry instead um and so I feel like only because I probably felt like I couldn't get one I probably could if I believed I could um but I got that so that's what I do with a lot of things and I remind because I feel like when I'm in the shop I'm this optimistic about everything and because my mom is extremely optimistic that's how she raised me so I you know I tell people oh you know, think about this, think about this. And then I feel like people go in the car and they're like, okay, Shamir said to think positive. And I always take what people do later on, later on, and I talk about that because I want it to really simmer. And I say, you're going to get in your car and your heart and your mind are sometimes talking different dialogues and talking different things. So sometimes when someone's telling you to be positive, your heart it's going to be like, girl, please, whatever. And then your mind is like, okay, let's think positive. Okay, what is it I want? I want a new car. Okay, that's your mind. And your heart, like, really? Your heart's always kind of harder to convince. And so um, people that make wars know, know this as well. That's why there's certain events that happen that make us feel like, yes, let's do this for real, because now you got my heart. I digress. So when, um, so when so so back to that, like what I suggest is people putting on good music, putting on comedy, because your heart cannot deny how it feels. It can deny what it thinks, but that's what your mind does. So I have this tattoo on my wrist, and it says "mind plus heart." And my 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 reminder for everyone is to always keep those two tied together. Try to keep them working together. Um, 
So your mind is thinking something, okay, yes, yes, yes. And then your heart, this is what I've done when I'm sad. sad. I always go and I watch a lot. That's one thing I, I, a lot of people don't know about me. I watch a lot of stand-up comedy. And, or I'll listen to good music, like old school. Right now I've been listening to a lot of old school music. It's very nostalgic. And so your heart is like, oh, that, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm feeling that. And then you're like, all right, got you. And then, you know, and recently I learned about a third part of your body that you need to pay attention to, which is your gut. And this gentleman told me that it's not by, co- it's not by coincidence that your, your, your intestines look like a brain, a big brain. And so your gut is another brain. And that's another nugget that I've learned recently is to my gut, your gut is always talking to you. We just have to train ourselves to listen to our gut about certain things. Okay. Wow. What happens when, I know people will say this and be thinking like that, yeah, whatever, shimmy, blah, blah, blah. So what happens when you don't feel like doing that? <laughs> it's real. I mean, well, yeah. people are like, what do you do? Have you ever felt like not doing that? Have you ever felt like yep. not being positive or being tired of being positive? Or- yep, absolutely. And I, you know, I call my friends and I cuss a lot. I cry. There's snot boogers everywhere because they know who I am. I have people that I trust that I can call. I know I can call you and I'm going to be like, because they know my core. They know I want to, but we're human. And I, and I think that all of this that I'm talking about works when you can be honest and be your true, back to the word, authenticity, you know, being authentic. And that's what I learned is it's okay to do that. I did not do that back in the day when I wasn't being vulnerable with my own self. I find that I'm more powerful. I'm like a sharpened pencil now because I have that area of my life that I can do that I can do that I I like I can I can cry and be like I've literally had those 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 statements I am tired of being optimistic all the time I am tired I'll say everything and not holding back and that's what's important you know this sounds probably very pretty you know and, and we can relate everything to the natural ways of the world, like pooping, you know, you're not going to feel good unless you get all of it out. You know, you have to, Mm. you got to, there's things in this world that we have to do. You will not be healthy if you do not poop. So what makes you think that your brain don't need to poop sometimes? And you know, my heart needs to poop sometimes. Get it out. It's healthy. But I feel like, especially with social media, unfortunately, I love social media. I'm where I'm at because of social media. But we have our aspects of social media that people not realizing. And I think we, the more we have these conversations, we can. And younger people is what I'm really concerned about. Those that don't know a world without social media, they don't realize people are putting up their their castles and stuff on the internet. But you're not seeing the pooping time. And, you know, all the other stuff that the stuff is being, that's, that's, that's natural. That's why I cry in front of my kids when I'm, mommy is frustrated. Mommy can't figure it out, you know? And then, and then when I figure it out, I'm like, I get it. You know, they have to see all of that. You they know? see everything. Yeah. Right. I love that. Right. I love the, I love the um, poop analogy. <laughs> analogy. Yes. Because it's, it's, I think it's so simple. Good. Yeah, it's so simple. Like, we can learn. It's like, um, also, you know, you're talking about nature shedding leaves. Um, mm-hmm. The tide, high tide, low tide. So it makes a lot of sense. And I was talking with someone earlier today about slowing down. And when they slowed down, they were anxious. And they were trying to, you know, they knew it was a moment and they wanted to get rid of the anxiety. And I was like, well, no, you can't focus on getting rid of the anxiety. You actually have to kind of feel it. For a moment, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of sit in it. You can't just be like, oh, I just want to, you know, mm-hmm. just get rid of it. Or, go through or it. Switch it. Yeah, you've got to go through it. And I, so thank you for sharing and being honest and saying, yeah, I don't always feel like being optimistic. I think it's kind of like um, when I say, you know, I don't always want to be strong. 
true. Can you do this for me? I don't, right. Like that's tired. He's tiring. Right. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, and that's okay because that's human. Girl, yeah. especially as far as mom. Oh my gosh, I love what I do for a living. I get to talk to these women. Like there are times that I'm going to take get takeout, and I will make sure my kids. They're big girls, so it's like, all right, you had dinner. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. Like I don't like. I'm not going to be like this, you know, nanny woman that's like, okay, bedtime story. I'm tired, you know. And they understand that. They they've known me, you know, since the beginning of life. So I've always been that part of them. I've always been real. I feel like I've been real with my kids and part of the world. And I'm tired. Even with dating, I feel like sometimes people, men, they may not have realistic. They might not have understanding of what was real like the common question a guy might ask is like do you um do you cook and I'm, I love that question because it's like it's frustrating but I, let me break this down to you you know I am working from this to this usually I need to eat but I'm tired and you know you might have this uh, this thing about me what you think of me but I am a human and I just want to be fed and I want to go home and, you know, so I might go and pick me something out. I'm, I have no never mind about not cooking every single day. Like, I cook as much as I can for my kids, but the weeks I don't have them, because I have them every other week, I have no, like, I, I have PF chains right here. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Well, you know, I'm with you on the cooking thing. <laughs> hey, for all those who want to know. <laughs> do I cook when I, yeah, because I need to when eat? I, do I want to cook? Not really. Yes, no. <laughs> it's, this fantasy people have in their head about what a strong woman is. It's like, hmm, I think you could be strong enough to be vulnerable. I think strong strength for me is someone being strong enough to be vulnerable, strong enough to be sensitive to one. And that strength to me is easy to put a front on. Yeah. What was your front? What was your mask that you used to wear? Do you have a name for it? Murder Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's literally a nickname of mine. <laughs> My nickname is Fear. But like, just being like gangster, like no one, everyone that calls me that, they have, they know I'm so not gangster. That's the funny thing is, it's kind of like a funny, not real situation. And I, I can't, I got that name when it was a, like when I was separating from their dad and you know, everyone around me, my in-laws, I think they only can't call me that. And they say it jokingly because I've always been this sensitive, mushy person. But I think I put on this, you know, we going to get this money and da 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 And I'm just going to, just this gangster boo is more so like, and that is who I am too. Like, let's, let's go, 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 go. Um, but I think people enjoy that sensitive part of me that I didn't think they did like it's like it, it now I'm like oh, it's okay to do that but it was more so I don't have time to be emotional we got to get this money and because that's to me that's that's what gave me happiness because I just wanted my rent paid you know at the end of the day I tell people the secret as far as why I started everything was I just wanted to be able to pay my rent and not have to struggle about that every month and it was like I had no time to be emotional because that's what my parents said that you know you don't do that like you gotta get this money you know um so yeah this is more gangstable and the name is murder mirror and um but now you know it's it's funny I feel I don't I don't have any regrets because I feel like well, how I feel is very impactful now. And I feel like I'm in a space to help a lot of people around me because I wouldn't understand who I am now if I didn't go through what I went through, who I was. So I love all of the aspects of me. Um, but yeah. So. What is it like now being you? Um, or shall I say like, embracing you? Mm. Ooh. It feels like it's so much love and appreciation for everything. 
um, it got so deep that I didn't understand why I was thinking about death a lot. And my therapist um, told me that that's actually a natural thing when you slow down and when you, I thought I was going crazy. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, when things start getting good, you that's actual natural thing. I said, wow, okay. And I didn't want to turn into something that became like a, you know, something crazy or feeling like I got to be overprotective of things, but it's a lot of love. And I just have more gratitude. I feel, it feels like slowing down. It feels like just looking people more deeply into their eyes and just listening to them more. It's a lot of listening, a lot more listening. I was, that's, that's big. That word has been popping up for me in a, for the past six months. I've gone to my second retreat. Um, and we are, it's like, we've gone to Sedona, Arizona, and I've gotten more in, in touch with people and not so much against the, against the mirror, you know, just fast, fast, fast. Now it's more like, okay, let me, let me really hug you intentionally. Let me look in your eyes when you're talking to me and not just what I can get or what you're going to say the next thing. So I can have what I'm going to say back and let me feel a lot more listening and just listening to people listening to birds outside. Like I have this I have a, I can have this door outside in my room back in like, it's in my balcony and just listening to those birds and just listening, just listen, listening to my body, like just listening, you know, through meditation, you learn, you know, to listen to your body and the heartbeat, just like those, just listening. I love the birds part. I know that if I can't hear the birds in the morning, that I'm probably either really anxious or rushing. Mm, that's true. Because they're always tweaking. They're always. They're always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listening. Power and listening. Uh, what are you hearing the most? Is there a theme lately that you're hearing when you're listening to people? Or common mm-hmm. themes? Mm-hmm. When I'm listening to people. Um, I mean, I, I feel this is quite a deep answer. I, I, I see more myself now. We're always reflecting ourselves. We're always attracting ourselves. So as I'm listening to people, I'm listening. I see myself in people. There's not really an, a theme. Um, I think as I love myself more, I'm loving people more. So I could see the goodies in them more. And I'm able to see those things in them. Um, I, I don't think it's a really a theme, but yeah, I have a whole bunch of thoughts in my head when you said that. It's like, wow, like these are some really good questions. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I think I try my best. Yeah. It's really, I'm like, ah, I don't want to miss something, but, um, yeah, it's just, and then I, I see, I can also, what I can it's like I can see what's not for me what's for me so I'm not quick to jump in things as I slow down to listen I can know I sense what is for me and what's not for me now that I slow down you know it's like okay and it's not like I gotta just run underneath a couch or something but it's like okay and it and I just I can see things go away that's not intended for me and this you know I could see more as I listen more I can see more that's powerful so it's been so good talking to you um what do you want to let the world know what do you want to share with people that they can do it my name is Shamir and it's Igbo. It's from the Nigerian tribe. I found that out in I when I was in college. The woman told me to find out what my name meant. I went to the library. I looked it up in French. It means a pipe dream. I didn't like that, so I went on with my life. A couple weeks later, a Igbo woman was tutoring me, and she told me my name means the Creator has done it or a miracle. So after that. I felt like I was like, wow, I didn't really understand. I got it. I loved it. I cried. But as I live on, I, and I'm doing hair, I'm touching people. um, And I I see, I hear feedback from people. And I realize my, what I do 
is to let people see that they can do it. And I, it's not by coincidence my parents named me Shamir. Um, God has done it. And I feel God works through us, in us, through us, through love. We can connect no matter what religion you are. And I like to connect people. So I connect people at my job or wherever I go. And through love, because I love people, I can help them see the things that they're able to do and just by listening to them. And so that's what I do. I, and I am so, that's why I'm so excited about having kids because it's like, they can be many things. They don't got to be one thing, you know, whatever it is. So there, I, I like to make people feel comfortable and to know that it could be milking cows. It could be being a stripper. It could be being a waitress in Oakland, California. They don't have to be what they, they it's, it's possible is what I want people to know. Cause I find a lot of times people don't know what their passions are. And I feel like because they weren't giving the permission to think about that or to discover it. So I like to be a platform for people to kind of talk about it and play around with it, doodle. And it's okay. And I'm like excited for all of it for them. I like to be their cheerleader and that's, yeah. Wow. And you definitely are that. You definitely have helped me and feel like, okay, all right, I'm going to cry mm-hmm. a bit, but we're going to do oh, this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's okay. <You> gotta... <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any um, like books, podcasts, resources that you want to share that's helped you during, you know, on this journey of authenticity and freedom yes. and all those stuff? So um, a long time ago, I um, found out a book um, called Strength Finders. I think it's a, it's a book that a lot of people probably are recommending. To, yeah, Strength Finders by Tom Rath. And it helped me in the beginning stages of my uh, entrepreneur career as a serial entrepreneur. And, and I've been told you need to like, okay, so what it is, it's a book. This guy, Tom Rath, study the original guy that made the personality test that everyone goes by and so he was like I'm gonna make my own personality test so when you buy the book it's a book and it's a code in the book that you should go to the you go to a website and take a test and the test is timed and so if you're taking too long on a question then you know you're you're not going to be honest with it so after you take the test it gives you like three or four personalities that you that are unique to you and you use the book to read more about that personality, but you also get a PDF file. And so his theory, when you before reading the um, personalities, is that in our culture, we're taught to work very hard on the things that we suck at. And instead, he says that you should pretty much stay in your lane. This is my word, stay in your lane. And the things, the people that are very successful in life, they don't go, oh, I'm horrible at, being an accountant with my money. So let me go to school. Being No, you hire an accountant. If you, all the things you're not good at, they focus on the things you do excellent at. That's how you move mountains. You know, that's why we have the Wendy's and all these companies. That, these people didn't even pass high school a lot of times, you know, but they knew what they were good at and they stood in their lane. And so everything I'm not good at, I'm all to get, that's how I've gotten to where I'm at. And I'm not even halfway where I, I see myself. And I've gotten to where I'm at because I'm not, especially as a woman, especially as a black woman, I'm having to recycle and, and, and rethink about things and not trying to have to do everything. Um, and, then, and then it's so much love because there's so many people around you that do these things, like your therapist. You know, this person's an accountant, this person, and everyone, if everyone did that, we will move mountains. So that's what he's about. It's like not having, oh, I mean, it's not nothing wrong going to school and try to perfect something, but don't let that hold you back. And so the, the, the intro of that book meant a lot more to me than the personalities. And so, you know, I, I recommend that book to someone that is trying to find out who they are. And then actually, it'll tell you if you get other people that you're trying to make a team. Um, you're trying to make this team, have them take that person that, that test as well so you'll know who is who, who your game players are, you know. And then currently, I'm reading Onward by Howard Schultz. And um, Onward is about the owner, um, well, he was the CEO, 
of um of excuse me of Starbucks and I'm not sure if everyone remembers but it Starbucks had a time period a couple of years ago where it was closing down they were closing out a bunch of Starbucks and I don't think a lot of us were concerned because they're they're doing fine now but it talks about what happened and how after they was going they were closing and they weren't doing so well how they went onward and so he actually stepped down from being a CEO and he hopped back in and then now the business so I love I'm not interested in people oh, oh let's start a business or am I courageous enough to do it no I'm interested in the businesses that are huge and how they keep going you know how they maintain that so anything else or is that those social resources um that is about it and just listening listening to God <laughs> <laughs> where can where can we shower you with love and gratitude so i have two well you can actually my name is shamir falk i have an instagram on there because i'm actually coaching i coach people with business as well uh c-h-i-m-e-r-e-f-a-u-l-k shamir falk um, my two businesses are is they are um, naturalhairlady.com or naturalhairlady on Instagram. Um, and then, and I actually share that business with my friend Ebony Ricks. And then the other business is Dr. Locks, so that's D R L O C S. And that's everywhere online, drlocks.com. It's a product line um, for the lock community that I make myself in my house. And Natural Hair Lady is a salon that provides excellent service, an awesome, good feel environment, and your hair looks cute and healthy. Yes, and I can attest to that. And <laughs> the conditioner of the Dr. Locks is my addiction. Um, so it's a great product. Um, for those who don't know and haven't seen pictures of me, I have locks, and it is my favorite product. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Um, so much for being thank on the you. podcast. Thank you. I love the opportunity to talk. I love you. Thank you so much, Bianca. You're welcome. Thank you. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following our Instagram, Authentic Wednesday Podcast, and visiting our website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.